Good morning. A little bit different this morning, amen? Amen. Amen. So thank you all. Uh, kids, where are all the kids in here? Y'all did an awesome job. Thank you for leading us. Amen. And um, adults, if you didn't learn something from the catechisms, shame on you. Uh, I even sat there and I thought, wow, that's it. That's the doctrine, isn't it? That's, and at this age uh, where these children are, they memorize these things and they will remember this when they're our age. They will go back and say, yeah, and it'll just come back to them like rote memory as it should be. And then as they mature, it will del- it'll go deep in their hearts and they'll be able to think on it and meditate on it and ponder it. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, glad that you guys are here. And uh, I do see some visitors with us and I think they are here. Uh, it's that time of year visiting with family and and all of that wonderful thing. Well, turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. As we, this week, I mean, this is, this is the week, isn't it? This time next week, folks, you realize that on this, in, in, in seven days at this time, we'll be celebrating Christmas here. Y'all excited about that? So remember that this Saturday uh, we'll have a Christmas Eve service at around five o'clock. And it's a wonderful tradition. It'll be a candlelight service. So we will sing hymns. We will read scripture. We will pray together. You know, it's it's the lighting of the candles on Christmas Eve. It's a wonderful tradition. Um, It's add that to your Christmas time. But then next Sunday morning, no Bible study at nine thirty, but we'll gather here at ten thirty. Okay, and we'll celebrate and worship on the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And so Luke chapter 2 is that traditional chapter of this time of year. Last week, we focused our attention on the grand message of praise, right, from the heavens at the birth of our Savior. The baby Jesus arrived on this holy night in an insignificant location, if you remember, in a small village that had historical connection to the great King David, Bethlehem. But this baby was born in a place where animals were kept. I mean, the grand adoration from the heavenly host that we looked at last week should not be taken lightly, I think, this Christmas season. I mean, heaven proclaimed. We've got to remember last week we looked at this. Heaven proclaimed with grand joy and praise of the moment that Christ was born. Heaven did this. The moment when God steps into humanity, there was no longer, there, there was a longing for this moment, that this moment that heaven was declaring, the heavenly host sang praises to God because of a long anticipation for that event. I mean, there there was a longing for this moment from the very beginning of creation and a longing for the anticipation of Christ's arrival and Christ's first arrival here ushered in the fulfillment of God with us, the great promise. But this is the first arrival of our Savior with longing and anticipation. And now we, in this moment, we long for and anticipate the return of our Savior again. That's why this season is important for the faith. 
The, the, the two truths of the incarnation is this. That which he has not assumed, he shall not heal. God, in order to heal us, had to assume the sinful state that we were in. That's the depth of the incarnation. We've been looking at that for several weeks now. We can also understand it this way. The incarnation is God's supreme act of God accommodating to us. God doesn't have to accommodate anything. God is God. But the beauty of the incarnation, this supreme act of God, he accommodates to us. God accommodates to human weaknesses in Jesus' humility in his, in his human nature. God would remain absolutely hidden if he were not illuminated in the brightness of Christ himself. That's a truth in Scripture we can't avoid. God would remain hidden if he was not illuminated in his son. That's the beauty here. God assumed the character of a mediator. His son, Jesus Christ, mediates even now on our behalf before the Father in heaven. We are sinful rebels, aren't we? And th there's this great wall of hostility between us and our creator. And Jesus is that mediator, breaking down that wall of hostility. But today I want us to look at the reaction of the shepherds that holy night. The heavenly host reacted appropriately and gave the lesson really to us all on how to respond to the coming of our Savior. And, and, and today, the first reaction of terror of these shepherds at the message from this heavenly host will turn into adoration and praise. I mean, these shepherds reacted to the fulfillment of the long anticipation that they had for the coming Messiah. So if you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word. And let's look at Luke chapter 2. And I want to read verses 8 through 20, but we'll focus on verses 15 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Wow. Let's pray. 
Father God, we praise You for this day. We praise You for this passage that we are often too familiar with because we read it regularly. It's a, it's a tradition for us all. And sometimes, Father, we, we miss the grand praise that is here. So, Father, I pray this morning that if we are taking this moment of incarnation lightly, Lord, that you would change us. I pray, God, this morning that your word would would speak so boldly to us that we have no other option but to respond with adoration and praise. I pray this, Father, this morning that we would not sit here complacently, that we would not sit here in boredom, that we would hear the praise of your heavenly host and we would see the praise that these shepherds proclaim. And let that be our praise. I pray that this morning, Father, wake us up, stir us to praise and to an adoration of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you. A wise child once asked this question, and you may have heard this many times. Why did it take so long for Jesus to arrive? You ever pondered that question? I mean, this came from a child. Why did God's people have to wait so long for his birth? That's a profound question. I mean, that's a great question in our day of instant gratification, isn't it? We no longer need to wait for anything, really. In our culture, in this day, in 2022, we don't really have to wait for anything. Even if you don't have the money for something, you got instant credit. I'll pay for it later. Or don't pay for it at all. Right? We no longer need to wait for anything. The virtue of delayed gratification is a virtue that all of us can practice more faithfully, I think. So why did it take so many generations, so many centuries, for God to answer His promise to send the Savior, the promised Messiah? I mean, that's a profound question. I mean, how many of us have ever waited for something? I mean, really, really waited. To the point that you almost give up. God will never answer his promise, you may say to yourself. Or that person who promised me something, I'll never get it. That long-anticipated job or that promotion or that long-anticipated husband. When's God going to give me one of those? We, we long for and we wait as God directs us to wait. But then when the gift arrives, when you get what you've been waiting for, how much more joy and excitement is there after all the waiting and all the anticipation? Would you agree? If you've ever experienced, I mean, I have to describe this because we live in an age where we no longer delay gratification. We have lost, I think, that joy and that feeling of great excitement of longing and waiting and then receiving. Now, now we, 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 we teach our children this to a point at Christmas time, longing for and anticipating Christmas morning or some families Christmas Eve of ripping open those packages. But you know, I know a lot of families over the years, I I see more and more of a trend. You don't even do that anymore. Oh, I can't wait to give you this gift. I know it's 12 days before Christmas, so go ahead and open this one. 
Oh, I, I, I know. I can't wait till Christmas morning. I know that you're eager and I'm eager to see you open it. Here, go ahead and have this one. Got some families in here going, yeah, that's us. Longing and anticipation brings greater joy and reaction to the gift. It seems that a fundamental truth for us all is that we appreciate something more when we have to wait for it. Parents, are you hearing me? Grandparents, <clears throat> grandparents, are you hearing me? I mean, this is why I believe God waited to answer his promise to send his son. I mean, he sent Jesus at just the right time and just the right moment. Our finite perspective on time causes us to long for and wait. But God's perspective on time is that he is perfect and always right, no matter the perception of time. God accomplished, he, I'm sorry, he accomplished his promise by accommodating to our sinful flesh at just the right time. That's important. The Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus' birth was at the right time. In the same, this is in Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Here's what Paul says. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, to that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Why is it that God delayed the sending of his son, Jesus Christ? Why is it that it was generation after generation after generation and century after century after century before Jesus arrived? It was because God, in his grand wisdom, desired that our hearts would be transformed at the joy of this moment. And we would turn to him and we would cry out to him, Daddy, Abba, Abba. That's what he wanted. That's why he waited. God's timing was perfect for the events of that holiest of nights when Jesus was born. His, when the heavenly host declared the exact moment that Jesus was born, we looked at this last week, I'm, a, I'm firmly convinced at the exact moment in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, when that light and the heavenly host suddenly appeared praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased at that very second I believe, was when God entered into humanity. Wow. God's perfect timing. God's timing was perfect on the events of that holiest night. The exact moment when God accommodated divine perfection into our human weakness by waiting those adopted as sons and daughters who are adopted by the Spirit of Christ we will be joyful, we'll be fully and truly grateful, and we will truly adore the Heavenly Father. I mean, Luke's account of Jesus' birth now takes us into the actions and the reactions of the shepherds here who witnessed this glorious heavenly declaration of the holiest of births. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened when the Lord has made what, which the Lord has made known to us. I mean, the clue that led the shepherds to find this baby was that he would be lying in a manger in verse 12. Remember, that's what the angel said. You'll find this baby lying in a manger. Man, I don't think many babies would be lying in feeding troughs that night or any other night. Do you? Now, I've heard uh, stories of of women who said, you know, back in the day when you just didn't have a whole lot, maybe you put the baby in, in one of the drawers of your chest of drawers because that was the best thing you had for a, a, a crib. But I don't think I've ever heard of anyone put their baby in a feeding trough. And especially that night of all nights, I, I, I think that would have been a unique thing to look for. So, so these shepherds at least knew where to begin looking. I mean, Bethlehem was nearby and, and animal stalls and stables would not be hard to locate, even in the dark of night. Just follow your nose. Ponder that. I mean, the shepherds probably checked the animal stables until they found the one with the baby. Bethlehem was not a large village even anyway, although it was filled with travelers. Remember, they were coming for the Roman census. But pay close attention to Luke's record of what the shepherds said about this quest here in verse 15. They said they wanted to go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Which the Lord has made known to us. That was their motivation. That was the spark for them to leave their responsibilities in the hillsides, to go to Bethlehem, to find this thing, this little baby, this event, which the Lord himself has made known to them. I mean, these shepherds, they acknowledged that something divine had occurred. They had heard from the voice of heaven. They had heard from God himself. The Lord himself revealed something wonderful to them. I mean, I know that a visit from one angel is enough to grab anybody's attention. But to hear from God... I mean, remember back in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, that it was not just the presence of angels that occurred with these shepherds. When the angel appeared to these shepherds back in verse 9, Luke tells us that the glory of the Lord shone around them. The very presence of God was in that place where the shepherds watched their flocks. That'll get your attention. I mean, this point should not be overlooked. I mean, when we see why these shepherds went to Bethlehem, it was because the Lord had made known to them an eternal event, an eternal answer to an eternal promise. I mean, the reason for their seeking out the baby Jesus was because God had made it known to them. That's why they went. They went with the command and the blessing of their Lord. He has made known to them what had occurred. That's why they went. I mean, the same point can be seen here in Luke chapter 2, verse 20. As the shepherds returned to their camp in the hills afterwards, after they witnessed the miraculous birth, this baby Jesus and his mother and his, and Joseph and the animals. Look here in verse 20. 
And these shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. What? As it had been told them. That's a very important point in this passage, I think. The shepherds glorified and praised God. Why? They had seen a promised gift that they had anticipated themselves for a very, very long time. But they praised and glorified God because he told them, made it known to them what was happening. When we look here in verse 20, as it had been told to them in verse 20, responds to that what the heavenly host proclaimed in Luke 2, verses 9 through 14. The very voice of God, the very proclamation of heaven over this birth was a grand event, clearly. But but these men, these lowly shepherds, they adored God for seeing all that God said they would see. God said, go and see this thing through the angels. Go and see this thing. And they went and saw exactly what they were described. God kept his promise. God was showing again to be trustworthy to be faithful. For they, for all they had heard and seen in verse 20 included what the Lord had made known to them in verse 15. But what they had heard and seen also includes what the prophets had been speaking for centuries. In Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. And in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And then in Micah 5, verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me uh, uh, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. You see, not only had God revealed to these shepherds on that night on the hillside with their sheep, who he was, what they were to see, and in a wonderful fulfillment of his promise, these shepherds also knew the prophets of old. Now you can say, well, these, these shepherds were not great Pharisees or great priests or great learned men. That didn't matter. You know what the textbook was for Jewish children? The first five books of the Bible. And then the prophets. And then the, the wisdom books. The Psalms. That was their textbook. They didn't have stuff printed from Macmillan Press from New York City. The stuff that's now teaching woke ideology. They had God's word. Just as our children this morning were, were, were citing scripture verses as they were going through the catechisms, going through the doctrines of God. That's what these shepherds would have learned as children. They knew it. That's why it's so important for us to teach these children now because these shepherds, they knew it from their childhood all the way through their adulthood. All of their lives, they had heard the promises of God through His Word. 
And when God revealed that night what was happening, they made the connections. Now, they may not have been grand theologians. They would not have been able to write a great dissertation or stand up and preach for two and three hours or preach like an eight-week series on the connections of the incarnation and the theological ramifications of it all. It didn't matter. They knew that God had promised this event and they saw it. And notice how they reacted here. The pro- Remember the prophets, they foretold hope that God's promise that salvation would come only from Him. And this pr- salvation would come from the heaven of God's glory to a little town in Bethlehem. These shepherds said, oh, th- this is it. But notice also what these shepherds did after they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger in verse 16. That's what they saw. They went and they found... Notice this in verse 16, we have very little detail of what occurred there, but there's enough there that we can imagine. They found Mary and Joseph, and then they found the baby lying in a manger. That's it. No more detail. But then in verse 20, after they had found this small family, after they had found this miraculous baby, Verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God just as the heavenly host did in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. They were glorifying and praising God. The same description that the heavenly host was given in verse 13. Remember that the shepherds were terrified at first. I mean, I, rightly so. But, but now they take... They take the lead from the heavenly host and how they respond to the birth of Jesus. The heavenly host praised God by saying loudly and boldly this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased or peace among men of goodwill. I mean, I believe the praise of these shepherds was the same thing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I can just imagine the shepherds echoing the same thing over and over and over. I mean, God brings goodwill to men of goodwill here. I mean, the answer to the promise has arrived. The long-anticipated Messiah was here. The longing for the gift was over. They had been anticipating and waiting for this for generations and centuries. And the reaction is this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men of goodwill. I mean, God brings goodwill here. The longing gift is over. So now do you see why God took a long time to send Jesus? Do you see why he waited for just the exact moment when the full fullness of time had arrived? Now do you see why the longing anticipation was necessary? I hope you see it. I mean, these shepherds now adored God for what he showed them. They had longed for it. Not just them individually, but their culture, their generations had longed for this. And now they respond the way God intended for them to respond. Now let's look at verses 17 and 18. Now look at how people responded to the great witness of these shepherds. These shepherds responded in a certain way to seeing Mary and Joseph and the baby there. 
Now look at how people responded when these shepherds shared the story to them in verses 17 through 18. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They wondered. Wow. I mean, all who heard what the shepherds told them heard what the heavenly host and the glory of the Lord told the shepherds. Don't, don't miss that connection. All who heard what the shepherds were telling about this wonderful night, they also heard what the heavenly host and the glory of the Lord had told the shepherds. The message was repeated through these first witnesses of our Savior's birth. All who heard this wonderful story, they wondered or some translations marveled at it. They had long awaited this holy night. They had all heard the stories from the prophets. They had been told that a Messiah would come. Their parents told them, their family told them, their teachers told them. And now it was here. Now what they had waited for has arrived. They heard the story from the shepherds and they marveled at it. Just imagine that. Now, as these shepherds go and they reveal and and they share what they saw and what they heard to anyone who would listen. We also have to imagine the process by which they're doing this. Now look at verse 16. One last thing we need to see here is how the shepherds went to find this baby Jesus. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with haste. I think, I I wish we had language like that. We don't, we don't speak like that anymore. Right? They went with haste. There's something beautiful and poetic about that, isn't there? They went with haste. I mean, this is a common response from people in the Bible who hear a wonderful news from God and respond to it with gratitude. You see this concept of with haste often. Once the fear is overcome that a messenger of God is standing before you or God himself is standing before you, once you get over that shock, the response in Scripture is they go with haste to whatever they're told. The faithful ones, the humble ones, the long, the ones longing for God's promise, go with haste. Because they've been waiting forever for this. And now it's here. It's a sign that those who go with haste, it's a sign that they truly desire God's presence. They, they, they long for with a genuine longing. They did not wait. They went with haste because they did not want to miss the miracle. They did. They truly believed what they were told. When they go with haste, that's a sign that they truly believe what they heard. I want that to sink in for a minute. When you truly believe the gospel as it is being told to you, you go with haste to the throne of heaven, to the foot of the cross. You go with haste. 
The idea of going with haste is the same reaction in Luke 1 verse 39 when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. When the angel Gabriel told Mary of the wonderful conception of John and Elizabeth, Mary went with haste to see what the angel told her. The idea of going with haste is the same reaction in Matthew 28 verse 8 when the two Marys heard from the angel that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. They went with haste to tell the other disciples that their Lord was risen. The idea of going with haste is the same reaction in John chapter 4, 28, when the Samaritan woman left her water jar at the well to tell all her family and friends that she had just met Jesus, the promised Messiah. Going with haste. I wonder today if anyone in this room or anyone who's listening to this is going with haste to see Jesus. To see what God has made known to you. I mean, on Christmas morning, trust me, if you still got little ones in your house, they will run with haste to the Christmas tree. Now, I'm so glad to see that Black Friday is no longer a thing like it used to be. But do you remember on Black Friday, all the crazy people who run with haste into Walmart to get something? It's not a big thing anymore, is it? Hallelujah. (laughs) But we won't run with haste to the foot of the cross. These shepherds, when they heard from God, these angels proclaimed to them what was happening, but they proclaimed to these shepherds in the midst of the Lord's presence there among them what was happening. That men's sin is now, it's now going to be atoned for. Men's sin, this barrier of hostility, this wall of hostility between us and our Creator is now going to be ripped down. God Himself has accommodated us. That's a big word, but it's an important word. He accommodated our weakness in Himself. He accommodated our sinfulness in himself. His son, Jesus Christ, now sits at the side of the Father in heaven as not a spirit, but as a risen, incarnate new body. The one that you and I are promised. Because of that, Jesus is now Lord of Lords and King of Kings. His name was above every name. It is because of this fulfilled promise that we're even here on Sunday morning, folks. So how do you go run to the promised gift that God has given? Or do you just sit back ho-hum? Do we have the, the attitude of entitlement? Have you ever seen those children that sit down in the middle of the living room floor on Christmas morning and say, okay, give it to me? You ever seen a child like that? I've seen kids like that. Just sit down in the middle of the room. Okay, give it to me. Here, where's, where's my presence? That's not the attitude here. It's they went with a, they ran to Bethlehem in the middle of the night looking for the miraculous birth of this baby. Because God made it known to them. 
Folks, people in this room right now, God has made known his gospel to you. If you've been in this church for any length of time, I hope you have heard the word of God, not just preached from here, but taught and studied in Bible studies and through our songs. You have heard what God has to say. He has told you who he is. He has revealed to you who Jesus, his son is. Are you going with haste? Are you running with haste? To the foot of that cross, or are you sitting back with 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 entitlement and saying, "Oh, hum, well, big deal." These shepherds were the first witnesses. God chose them, and they went and they witnessed and they testified to the birth of our Savior. And then they went and they proclaimed everything that they heard to everyone else that would listen. Are you going with haste and are you marveling at the miracle of salvation? Are you or or are you hiding and withdrawing from God's voice this morning? What is it? I hope and pray it's the first thing that you are running with haste and that you are in marvel to the miraculous birth of our Savior. The miracle of our salvation is here. Run to it. Even if, even if you've been granted salvation and forgiveness, run to it. Amen? Run with haste. So, from that's going to be your word for the rest of the week. Run with haste. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, God, that you revealed to all of us exactly your gift of salvation. You promised for generations and generations and generations that this would come and that now it has come. And we who 2000 years after this wonderful eternal event, we stand really in a ho-hum attitude. I pray God that you would stir us up, that you would cause us to stand in marvel and awe that our sins have been atoned for. That you have accommodated in yourself all of our weaknesses. And we can lean into your strength and your glory because the spirit of your son, Jesus Christ, holds us firm. Lord, there are some in this room or in some who are listening to this right now. They don't know the spirit of Christ. They don't know the son of yours who comes. I pray, God, you would stir their hearts. That you would give them the exact excitement and the same glorious marvel that these shepherds had. Give it to them, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.